Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, providing more than 41,000 jobs in the production of wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details at ChooseWood.com. This is St. Louis on the Air from St. Louis Public Radio. I'm Elaine Cha. If last year seemed warmer than most, it wasn't just in your head or your sweat glands and the winter clothes that stayed packed through late December. According to a story just published by STLPR environment reporter Kate Grumke, 2023 made history as St. Louis's second warmest year on record and the state of Illinois' fifth warmest. Missouri's numbers come out later this week. As this history-making is on trend to continue, we'll face weather events that bring both more and less of what we're used to outside. And the National Weather Service wants you to face that reality with them. Here to talk about why and how, and to answer your questions about preparing yourself and others for severe weather in the coming year, we have Matt Beicher, meteorologist at the National Weather Service, St. Louis. Matt, thanks for coming back on the show again today. It's my pleasure, Elaine. Thanks for having me. Congrats on the recent promotion. Thank you so much. (laughs) Appreciate that. Now, Matt, when you were here last, we had talked about the record-setting high temperatures in February 2023. And those record highs continued throughout the year, making 2023, again, the second warmest record in St. Louis's history. What other records did we see set in 2023? And. One of the one of the most notable thing that, things that we saw last year was how dry it was. I don't know if people noticed, probably because it was probably a nice day out when it's dry out. It's it's you don't think of the ancillary impacts to that, but in in addition to it being one of the warmest years we've ever seen in this region, it was also one of the driest we've ever seen, and that has considerable impacts not only to water supply but to shipping on the Mississippi and the and the Illinois rivers, um, to impacts to the. Um, the Folks floating on the Merrimack, you know, there's a there's a great industry in in uh, floating float trips on in the summer, um, and of course the large agricultural community and and the the contributions that they have to the economy. So mm-hmm. a wide range of impacts occurred from a pretty dry year that we had in 2023 as well. And you mentioned something that uh, in in that intro there that I I think people need to realize is that the change in our climate is more of the extremes, less of what we're used to, and more of the wet, wetter than average and drier than average. We're going to see these oscillations between really wet and really dry, really hot and really cold mm-hmm. um, become more common and more frequent as time goes on. Okay. And from my experience, it feels like that is something um, more pronounced here in St. Louis in particular than in other parts of the country I've lived. Yeah. It's it's a common joke here that you get all types of weather. You get all four seasons with a vengeance, right? And those ven- that vengeance is getting more um, more pronounced and more amplified. Mm-hmm. We're getting colder winter. We're getting, well, warmer winters, but colder outbreaks in addition to those warmer than average. If you dive down into the sort of events that we see, um, take, for example, this upcoming weekend to early next week, yes. it is going to be dangerously cold mm-hmm. for the entire region and actually for a large portion of the United States. That gets washed out in the in the... Yes, it's been one of the warmest years on record, but if you look down into the nitty-gritty, these oscillations are something that we also have to keep in mind. Right, right. Now, the the warm temperatures are certainly jarring, um, but with unusual temperatures comes severe weather as well. 
Matt, what sorts of severe weather events are you and your team bracing for? So we're seeing an increase in what we consider to be extreme precipitation events, sort of on the higher percentiles of how much rain falls in a given event. As a matter of fact, the National Climate Assessment came out just a couple of months ago, and that's a a, a large-scale national view from a wide range of atmospheric scientists and sociologists who get together and come up with changes over time of not only the hard data of temperature, precipitation, snowfall, but look at the impactful precipitation and impactful temperature changes. And in the St. Louis region, we saw a 35% increase in extreme precipitation events over the last couple of decades. Mm-hmm. Um, and that trend is not going to slow down. That's one of the major things that we see uh, become a lot more frequent around here. Um, severe weather in, in the cl- more classical sense of large hail, damaging wind, uh, tornadoes that hasn't really changed. There isn't. There hasn't been an increase or a decrease in the in the frequency of that. Um, but something to keep in mind is that these other types of weather hazards and and uh, impacts like extreme temperatures for a prolonged period or extreme precipitation can introduce something known as an intersectional vulnerability. So you make somebody vulnerable by, be, let's say, they their house floods and they become unhoused. Now they're much more vulnerable to severe weather than they were in the past. So that changes their, the vulnerability landscape, and that's something that we grapple with as meteorologists. It's not just weather. It's the we- intersection of weather and society, and that is person-to-person vastly different. Region-to-region, too, but person-to-person vastly different. Right. So it's clearly more than just conversations that people are having casually. These oh, are yeah. These are real-life consequences. Absolutely. And I think that people... The, the conversations that folks have that, oh, we don't get as many snowstorms as we used to, and we are, it seems hotter than it used to be, don't discount that. That is, your, your experience is real, and it mm-hmm. is happening. It's not a weird perception. It is reality. Yeah. Another note, I guess, regarding reality, one of the first things that I noticed uh, when I moved to St. Louis almost 10 years ago is how un, unruffled, <laughs> relatively <laughs> speaking, or even comfortable people are when severe weather rolls in, when the tornado sirens go off, many people you know, they run to their yards or their porches to watch the storm roll in versus like, I am diving <laughs> under, <laughs> under something. Now, are the weather trends that you're bracing for that much worse than what we've grown accustomed to? Like in terms of scale, like what are we talking about here? They can be. Um, it- it depends a lot on people's, and it goes back to those intersectional vulnerabilities. It goes back to where you grew up. I'm not. I'm also not a St. Louis native either. I've, I was from New York, and same deal. Mm. I dive under the under the bed, <laughs> or I go. I go into the bathroom if I if I hear the tornado sirens go off. Though the meteorologist in me pulls me towards the window. Sure. Um, so it it really does. It really has a great deal to do with um, your experience with different types of weather. Um, take for example, if we if we had eight inches of snow in St. Louis, I don't know if we'll ever see that again. But if we have eight inches of snow in St. Louis, people take, are, they have a much more difficult time of driving. But for, from where I'm from, eight inches of snow is nothing. We can right. drive it, you know, we, we just take it slow and it's fine. Um, but the, but that kind of, that kind of experience is changing because not only because people are moving around and there's just folks moving from the coast into the, into the heartland of America, but also um, the weather happening in those locations is changing and they're and they're running into hazards they've never seen before and aren't prepared for. Mm-hmm. And with these weather extremes and events kind of becoming more common, how much harder does that make your job? Does it make it harder? 
It does it, because part of our job, I would argue a, a more important part of our job than than the forecast itself, even though everything is rooted in, in a scientifically sound and accurate, obviously, forecast, is communicating that. Because there was a there was a paper published decades ago, well ahead of its time. This quote said, um, "Weather forecasts have no intrinsic value. If I put out a perfect forecast, but nobody heard it, is it good?" In my opinion, and the opinion of the National Weather Service, no, mm-hmm. because nobody acted on it. Nobody, nobody's life was saved. No dollars were saved. No property was saved. And that's the mission of the Weather Service is to protect um, people's lives and their properties. Mm-hmm. So. Part of that is is communicating it, and when you're dealing with new hazards, new people, the intersection of these vulnerabilities, and also folks not being able to get the weather information from what we consider to be normal everyday channels, mm-hmm. that makes it extremely difficult. So yeah. we work with the community every single day, and we find new partners every single day to reach every person that we serve. Mm-hmm. Now, speaking of partners, let's talk about tracking severe weather. And when it comes to doing that, meteorologists like yourself rely on radar or radio detection and ranging. But having eyes on the ground, uh, that's critical. So tell us about storm spotting. What does it mean to be a storm spotter? Being a storm spotter provides us the ground truth that radar just can't. Um, radar is one of the most essential tools that we have at the National Weather Service to protect people, uh, especially during severe weather, so th- severe thunderstorms, tornadoes, even in winter weather. But depending on how, where you are in proximity to the radar, it can't see where all the impactful weather is happening. The mm-hmm. radar shoots a beam, a very low-powered beam, at a half-degree angle to the horizon. And as you go further and further from the radar, you get anywhere from five to 10,000 feet um, in elevation. And a lot of weather happens in that lower five to 10,000 feet Mm -hmm. from the beam to the ground. Um, A changeover from snow to rain, hail melting, tornadoes, complete tornadoes can just not be detected or um, the rotation in those those thunderstorms. So we rely on people on the ground to provide us the ground truth to say, yep, we saw one and a half inch hail and or yeah, there's a tornado on the ground and it just hit somebody's house. Um, That provides us a lot of confidence, especially when we know they come from trained weather spotters and we Mm -hmm. trained them to either sustain a warning, to upgrade a warning to a higher classification, or to cancel one because it's the, the event that we thought was happening is not happening. Mm-hmm. Do you have questions about storm spotting for meteorologist Matt Beitscher? Give us a call at 314-382-8255. That's 382-TALK. Or you can send us a tweet at STL on air or email us at talk at stlpr.org. Matt, where would you put the need for more storm spotters who are trained? It's a, it's a pretty substantial need. It's, we, we have quite a few, um, but they move around. They you know, decide they don't want to do it. Um, there is a great need in, the, in, in rural populations as well, um, just, just lower population areas that unfortunately are not serviced as well by the radar as St. Louis, just because of its proximity. The, the radar is in St. Louis, mm-hmm. and um, if the further out you go, the, the harder it is to see. Um, we need spotters all over the place because they are an invaluable part to what we do. We don't ask them to um, we don't ask them to put themselves in harm's way. We always say that the your life comes before a report every single time. Um, but if you are seeing uh, ha- impactful weather, hazardous weather, like you were saying, if you're out, if you're if you're you know out and about and you're not dunk, ducking undercover when hail is coming down or a tornado is coming down and you see something, 
let us know because mm-hmm. that information could be the key to saving lives down the down the road, even in the next couple of minutes, couple of hours. Mm-hmm. So that certainly speaks to how critical it is to have more storm spotters. Are there many at this point? There are t- tens of thousands across the country, um, but we could always use more. And that and that's not uniformly distributed either. You know, there's a lot more in the population centers than there are out in more rural populations. Yeah. So. Um, there are several thousand across the across the, the 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 United States, but at the end of the day, we could always use more. We could always use a lot a lot more talk about safety as well, because these classes that we teach, I mean, okay. they're about two hours long, um, but they're really fun and interactive. They're not death by PowerPoint in the slightest. <laughs> okay. I pro- at least the ones that I that that we that we encourage people go to at, at, from our office, they are not at all uh, something that you can snooze through because okay. um, they, they, there's a lot of games involved. We have little kids that show up and they're the best. Oh, they, great. They're, they're always throwing out these great answers um, to the questions. But they, in addition to training them how to report the weather and report these hazardous conditions, we also teach them how to stay safe. So we're kind of solving the problem as well about um, folks who are afraid of severe weather. There's quite mm-hmm. a bit of that. Or folks that are just not familiar with severe weather if they've moved to the St. Louis region from a place that isn't used to that kind of yeah. thing. And our region, our listening region at least, is a very large one. So I think there's considerable overlap in in the the people that you are serving as well as those who are listening. Is there a particular area in our region, Matt, that um, really kind of desperately needs volunteers? I would say along the I-44 corridor, I know that um, St. Louis Public Radio covers Rolla as well. Down that way, absolutely. We need Mm -hmm. some folks down in southeast Missouri, Farmington, Fredericktown, uh, Reynolds, Iron, and Madison counties. Also up in northeast Missouri, so Quincy and areas to the northeast, or to the east and west of, of Quincy certainly need more spotters up that way. And we'll be having spotter presentations up that way. I'm going to give the one up in Edina, Missouri. So okay. if you're out that way or and you want to stop by, you're more than welcome to do that. It's on our website, the, the full list of the presentations. And we've got several down in southeast Missouri, as well as, of course, in the St. Louis metro. Mm-hmm. You clearly are a listener because you've hit upon many places that we serve. <laughs> Now, storm spotting may suggest to some people an activity that's very different and much riskier. You know, folks in fortified vehicles who are driving behind tornadoes. What sorts of, of storms do storm spotters spot? <laughs> it's like I love, a, I love a that nursery question. rhyme. Okay. <laughs> um, so to, to address the first part, we do not condone, condone what you described as storm chasing. We're not asking you to go look for the trouble. That is... It doesn't end well, yes. usually, especially <laughs> if you don't know what you're looking at, it can be bad. I make a joke in our presentation that if the tornado is moving left or right to you, you're generally okay. But if it's just getting bigger and bigger and bigger, it means it's coming towards you okay. uh, and get get down. So, uh, But for storm spotting, it's really just if you, are ha- if you happen to be in an area and you see a tornado go through your field or if you are, let's say you're in South County and it starts hailing like no, no other and you see things the size of grapefruits coming out of the sky. We need to know about that stuff. That is extremely helpful information so that your neighbors to the, usually to the east or mm-hmm. to the northeast or the southeast that are going to get that storm in the next 30 minutes can be prepared and and take, take the appropriate action. Mm-hmm. And how is it that storm spotters submit the information they're, they're collecting 
How do they get that to you? There's a wide range of ways to do it. We're on social media, so we're on X and Facebook. Um, but we also encourage folks, just give us a call. Um, the ph- phone number is at the bottom of our, our webpage, but it's 636-447-1876. Give us a call 24-7-365 when you've got, if you've got hazardous weather ongoing, um, and we'll take that report. Be detailed, be you know, concise. Um, we're very kind people. We'll talk to you. But if it's if, it, if we're busy, uh, don't take our, our shortness as uh, rudeness. It's really we got it off the phone because four other lines are ringing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, calling us is usually the best bet. But we have social media um, on, on our website at the bottom of the page. There's a, a link to submit the report via a phone. Um, and we teach folks how to do that at those classes. We go okay. into bigger into greater detail about how to submit a report. Okay. And tell us a little bit more sort of about that training. You said it is not boring, not mm-hmm. death by PowerPoint. Um, what exactly are folks learning? And uh, what is the first step to to getting involved? Is there an RSVP system? How does that work? No, we try to keep the barriers to this pretty low. Um, I think one of the presentations, and I don't quote me on this, but I think it's in Jefferson County, has an RSVP just because of the size of the room. Um, we just can't fit as many people as, we, as we'd as we like to in that room. Mm-hmm. But generally speaking, there's no sign-up needed. It is completely free. These are tax dollars at work. Um, so we, uh, and again, all ages, all walks of life, all education backgrounds, all races, creeds, ethnicities are welcome to, to become storm, storm spotters because we all have a role to play in protecting our community. Every mm-hmm. single one of us, no matter those, those, those things. Um, it's about two hours long. The first thing you learn about is what spotters are and what we look for. Mm-hmm. The next thing is we learn a little bit about how to read radar. So for the science nerds out there that want to learn how to read radar a little bit, there's a little bit for you there. Um, you learn about thunderstorm structure, hail, snow, ice, um, severe wind damage. Um, we play a game about estimating wind speed, and the winner gets a little bit of candy. We'll just, you know, we, it's almost <laughs> like a game show kind of kind of thing. Um, and we keep it light, you know, keep it kind of conversational and discussion based. Um, and then we always make ourselves available for questions afterwards. And then the last twenty or thirty minutes of it is dedicated to safety because mm-hmm. that's definitely um, front of mind. And then we wrap it all up with. When all of that stuff comes together into a, forgive the pun, a perfect storm okay. of good of good things. Right. What happens if it all goes right? And a great example of that is the Jefferson City tornado that occurred in 2018. Mm. That system, or excuse me, in 2019, um, that uh, that tornado hit the capital of the state in the middle of the night, and not a soul was lost. And it was a pretty powerful, it was EF3 tornado. So on the on the stronger end, and all of the things went right. Our media partners did what they needed to do. The sirens went off perfectly. People knew how to shelter. They knew how to report to us. And because of all of that, the the, the community working together as an enterprise, as a weather enterprise, yeah. um, we protected the community together. Mm-hmm. Is there a test after? <laughs> no, there's no test. Actually, no, I take that back. There's a fun test. It's not like you're going to, if you fail it, you're not going to be a, you're not going to be thrown out of the class. But it's, um, it, we do a little bit of Q&A at the end. So it's like, which of these is true? Which of these is false? It's very, very low stress. Um, and we encourage folks to come with an open mind and, um, and, and a lot, and, and a notepad, but a lot yeah. of, but just be ready for, for some fun. Okay. And do you get repeat uh, repeat students? We do, yeah. And, and we encourage that because mm-hmm. people forget or new things happen. Like this year, we're, in, we're, we're introducing a way to text us and uh, pictures and videos, which is super helpful 
Im images and video are always wanted. Um, and so we're introducing a new way to do that. So we always encourage folks to come back and get a refresher. Uh, but I always get a show of hands about who's returning and who's new. And it's usually about a 50-50 split, which mm -hmm. is what I like to see. Okay. Now, we have some possible severe weather coming our way. Who does your team prioritize? Maybe communities, different groups of people, when it comes to getting info out as soon as possible? So I wouldn't call it prioritization. Everybody that we serve, every single person is... is is um, is a life that we, that you know that that we are mandated to to protect as in in the best way possible. Um, we do have what are known as core partners that they're not necessarily priorities, but what they do, what we do with them is they they are able to make the decisions to keep a ton of people safe. So the Missouri State Emergency Management Agency is one of our very close partners that we work with. We provide them weather information almost constantly. And in turn, they make decisions that protect the communities. So in, in a way that they're, they're doing the job that we're trying to do as well with the public. Another group that we, we deal with um, very frequently is the Missouri Department of Transportation and the Illinois Department of Transportation. They are essential, especially in winter weather, to making sure roads are plowed, people stay off the roads, um, and that they know what to expect uh, so that they can prep accordingly. It's all about safety. Absolutely. Matt Beicher is meteorologist at the National Weather Service of St. Louis. Matt, thanks for joining us today. Thank you, Elaine. As we wrap today's show, I want to take a moment to recognize someone who's been a vital voice, partner, and presence on the St. Louis on the Air and STLPR team. That's Aula Kuziz. Her official title is Production Intern, but that does little to capture just how much she's added to and enriched our team. That includes and whom. That includes what and whom you've heard on the show and in written stories. In the last seven months, Aula has produced more than two dozen of her own timely resonant segments, like her work focused on young black St. Louisans experiencing peace at the Shaw Nature Reserve, on local people working to teach and preserve their heritage language across generations, and on St. Louis residents with deeply personal connections to the conflict in Gaza. She's had a turn newscasting during the afternoon drive, too. So all this is to say, tomorrow may be Allah's last day with us as our show's production intern, but her work will live on at stlpr.org and on our podcast. And we'll be looking with eager and happy anticipation to see how she makes all kinds of marks on journalism. Allah, thank you for hanging with us, and good luck finding folks who love you more than we do. <laughs> St. Louis on the Air is produced by Maya Norfleet, Danny Wisentowski, Emily Woodbury, and Alex Hoyer. Our audio engineer is Aaron Dorr, and our production intern is, until tomorrow, Aula Kuziz. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Thank you for listening. I'm Elaine Cha. was produced, recorded, and edited by Maya Norfleet. Our audio engineer is Aaron Doerr. This podcast was mixed and edited by Aaron. Our executive producer is Alex Hoyer. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. 
Understanding starts here. St. Louis on the Air proudly supports local artists by using music from Life Creative Group. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thank you. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association. Missouri produces wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details on the variety of products made in the state are at ChooseWood.com.